welcome to the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast, where all things football are injected right to your veins. With your hosts, Matt Donnelly, Calvin Shoemake, and Jeff Mueller. What is up? And welcome to an exciting edition of the Dynasty Vipers Team Spotlight Series. I am pumped to be joined by, as you can see, an all-star cast here. We're going to talk about Bills Mafia and all things Bills. But before we do, just want to introduce everyone to exactly what we're doing here today. This is going to be a show where we're going to be talking from a Dynasty perspective, but it's important that we understand these teams. Um, you know, typically the calendar rolls over. We get into January, February. People start thinking about rookies, and we should. Rookies are important, but we also need to understand the teams that they land into and they find themselves in, what kind of fantasy situation it's going to be, all of that. The more we understand these teams, the more we can think about it, the better it's ultimately going to be. So to do that, I'm asking people from all over, from all 32 teams, to join me on a special episode where we cover the team and not just smart football people, but people who know the team, love the team, watch all the plays, watch the games. And gosh, what an exciting time to have done that this past year for the Buffalo Bills. So let's go around the room. Um, Petey, I'll start with you. Just uh, introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, where we can find you, and uh, what you've been working on. Uh, well, I'm Petey Stitz. You can find me at Petey Stitz, which is basically uh, just the at before my screen name that I have written out there. Um Working on uh, being a parent now that the football season has wound down, I can uh, focus on my girls and everything. <laughs> but uh, no, actually, um, currently in a dynasty startup draft with the fantasy besties, uh, we just entered round 14, 15, I think, 15. Um, started the other day because, um, you know, hey, uh, what's life without fantasy? So, um, Actually took Gabriel Davis uh, in one of the rounds, but we'll get to that later. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's really all that's going on right now. So, so question right here from uh, Matt Donnelly, uh, Dynasty Vipers own. Where is the piano? <laughs> the piano is back in my daughter's playroom. I did okay. not bring it out this time. Okay. And I guess maybe we'll have a special edition where we can get parent tips from Dingus. That would be a great segment at some point. He, he does have 14 kids for anybody who doesn't know that. That's not an exaggeration. That's the real number of kid, children that he has. So, uh, Jeff, um, where can we find you? And, like, I guess most importantly, if we have questions about, like, Disney princesses, is your account the right one to go to? Absolutely. I'm your expert on everything Disney. I've got two little girls, and so Disney Plus gets worn out in our household. Um, Jeff at For Whom J Bell Tolls. You can find me going for two. I do Debbie content, um, doing a lot of draft content right there, now over there. Um, can find me at join our circle underscore fantasy intervention. I've been doing a lot of stuff with them. Um, and I, right now I'm just grinding on getting uh, Debbie rakes up for fantasy pros. If you missed that Saturday morning, that was a pretty fun Saturday morning where we were all debating our favorite Disney princesses for whatever reason. I have no idea why, but uh, we just, we did. So uh, Matt, we'll uh, talk to you next. Tell us who you are and uh, where we can find you. Uh, Matt Marchese. You can find me at Sportsnet. Um, also a radio host for Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. Uh, took a little bit of a hiatus with some fantasy content, but uh, 
it'll be back following the Super Bowl. I have some ADP risers and fallers that's coming out. So you can uh, you can check me out there. And of course, like everybody in this room, huge, huge Bills fan. And last but certainly not least, Victoria, just tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, and are you, are you working on anything these days that we can find you? Where we can find you? Yeah, you can find me at FFB underscore Victoria. I'm fairly new to the community, been uh, officially officially on Twitter for a couple months, but I've been lurking in the background on my personal account for a couple of years now. But I, I love fantasy and I love the community. Y'all are, y'all are great and have been giving me a warm welcome, so I'm happy to be here. I'm just getting my feet wet. Well, I'm very thankful to all of you for joining uh, to talk about the Bills here. And so, but to that point, let's talk about the Bills now. Let's get into what it's like being a Buffalo Bill fan. And so, Victoria, I'm going to toss it right back to you. Just tell us a little bit about your history with the team, when you started following them, and maybe some of your uh, some favorite times and memories that you have with the Bills. Yeah, well, I was born and raised in Buffalo, New York, uh, in a little suburb right outside of it. No longer reside there because of the horrible winters. Um, but I've endured a heartbreak as a Buffalo sports fan for many, many years. Uh, and I was born in the 90s, so I wasn't quite old enough to uh, understand the heartbreak of those four Super Bowl losses until I watched the four falls of Buffalo. And I will admit I cried uh, watching that. Um, but you know, when you're a Bills fan, you, you're not a bandwagon fan. You know, you endure all the heartbreaks, the letdowns every single year. This is our year, bumper stickers. And for once, uh, this year felt like the pain was worth it for once, maybe arguably last year as well, too. Um, God, you know, my favorite player is obviously Josh Allen right now, but from previous years, I love Fred Jackson excuse me, Kyle Williams, um, and Trey White, probably my second favorite guy right now. So Awesome. Uh, Matt, let's, let's go with you next. Just your history with the team. Uh, my dad was a Bills fan growing up because that was closest team proximity to Toronto. And um, I, was a, I was a late 80s baby, so I don't remember anything about the, uh, the four straight Super Bowl losses either. But I, I've known, uh, like everybody in here, a lot of heartbreak with this team. Like I remember thinking that EJ Manuel was going to be the real deal. I thought I thought uh, JP Lofman was going to be a star, and and they all sucked. So we've you know we've been through it, and and like Victoria said, nobody nobody says yeah I'm a Bills fan, and you look at them and go yeah you're a bandwagon jumper. Like you're you're Bills mafia through and through there's no change in it now. I mean, and now it's finally, you know, you see this team on the field and, and you're like, okay, they, they finally found something here and, and watching the improvements of these guys and this core group of young guys that they have, it's special. It's, it's a lot of fun. Like, you know, I would have loved to have seen a Super Bowl appearance, but getting to the AFC championship, man, you got to trust this process that they're going through right now. Uh, and just, you know, if you guys don't know, Bob is awesome. He is the man behind the scenes with a lot of our graphics and th- things like that. But just so you know, he is a Patriot fan struggling to deal with the reality of the changing of the guard. So uh, congratulations, will be repeat division champs next season. I don't know about that. This is a uh, team in a pretty good situation here that we're talking about tonight. So, Jeff, uh, kick it back over to you. What's your history with the team look like? 
So I am old enough to have lived through the Super Bowl era. And I think you could maybe start with saying that I started as a front runner. I grew up in Ohio and I grew up right in the middle of Browns, Bengals and Lions country. Um, my parents, my dad wasn't in the NFL at all. I kind of went to school and everybody was like, well, who's your team? And you know, I looked around and I was like, I, I don't want to pick any of these local teams. The Bills are red, white and blue. They're the best team in Tecmo Bowl. You know, that's my guys. I'm going <laughs> to roll with them. Uh, so that's how, where it all started. And I think over the last 20 years, I've earned the badge of not being a Buffalo resident, but certainly lived the heartbreak and lived the down times. Um, I grew up, I had Thurman Thomas on my wall. Uh, he was mm -hmm. always my guy growing up. Um, I can't not be a Josh Allen fan now. You know, I, I really had a lot of faith coming him into the draft, but as Petey mentioned, you know, we've been through so many terrible quarterbacks um, that you just, you just don't know. You never knew, um, but obviously now we're very excited. So. Uh, yep. I, and yes, as uh, Matt mentions here, we got to bring up Tecmo Bowl. You can't talk about Tecmo Bowl without Bo Jackson. So, he was, but uh, the Bills were really good in Tecmo Bowl too, so don't even. You, know, they had, <laughs> you could tear it up with Thurman. Little known fact, they were pretty good there, but uh, nobody played with the Bills. Just you. You were the only one, Jeff. Just me. That's fine. <laughs> Petey, uh, how about you? What's your history with the team look like? Uh, my history uh, begins with my grandmother. Uh, honestly, uh, spending so much time over at her house. She lived five doors down from me growing up. I was uh, at her house for every single Bills game um, during each season for I don't know how, how many years. There was only one rule. You couldn't talk when the when the game was on. You had to wait for a commercial no matter what it was. Um, but, uh, no, she's honestly the reason I got into football in general and, you know, fantasy sports. Uh, you know, spinning off of that. I owe everything to her. Uh, I wish she was here to see this team today. She would have absolutely loved them. Um, and uh, it, her, her favorite was Jim Kelly. Uh, so that kind of bled into me as well. Uh, I have two of his jerseys actually um, one hanging up and one that I wear. So um, I would say he's my favorite player, uh, but any of those guys from the nineties, I mean, how do you not love them? Um, I actually am followed by Cornelius Bennett on Twitter, which is pretty badass. Uh, so, and Andre Reed liked one of my tweets a couple of months ago. So even that was cool. Um, but, uh, I got to see Bruce Smith retire, uh, at that Thursday night game. That was phenomenal. Uh, yeah. Uh, so many memories. Uh, I could talk your guys ears off about all of them, but, uh, <laughs> don't want to take too much time. I couldn't find it for the show. I tried so hard, but I actually do have a Bills jersey, but it's Willis McGahee. That's the one, for whatever reason, the one Bills jersey. I uh, Yeah, I you bought, can keep I that tucked away why. wherever you may have it. Uh, there's <laughs> no reason to bring that thing back out. Everybody's got those obscure jerseys. Like, I, mine's not, it's not even that obscure. Like, I've got a Paul Puzlozny jersey. jersey. Uh, Dante Whitner. I, I've got a Dante Whitner. So. I got, I got CJ Spiller, Mario Williams. Like, we yes. can roll down the list here. Oh, yeah. CJ Spiller. I have okay, JP Bob. Lachman and Trent Edwards of oh. that era. Yep. Just, just because it's his birthday yeah, today, can we talk that in the really lean years that Brian Mormon, the punter, was the Bills' yeah. like highest grossing jersey sale? Like that's worth. If you're not a Bills fan, then you don't even understand that heartbreak. Is that real? That's he real. The, that is a hundred percent real. He was a Pro Bowl. Really Come good. on. The, the punter was the highest uh, selling jersey. That's 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 Bills for you. That's yeah. Buffalo Bills for you. <laughs> I have a you football with his autograph and Ryan Lindell, actually. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
CJ Spiller won me a championship one year in fantasy. And yeah. then the Saints, I'm a Saints fan. The, the Saints signed him the next year. And I thought like I was going to die. I was like, oh my God, this is so awesome. And he was like nothing. He never did anything again. Uh, but I liked CJ Spiller for a little while there while he was in Buffalo at least. But uh, so let's talk about 2020, right? So when, I don't know, 20 years from now, 25 years from now, I have grandkids that are going to, that ask me like, hey, what was football like in 2020? Yeah, obviously, coronavirus was a big story. I'm going to tell them about the time where a team played a game without quarterback, because that was really weird. Uh, and then it's the year that, like, everybody became a Buffalo Bill fan. Like, everybody on my timeline was, like, Bills, ride or die, Bills Mafia. Like, it was, like, everyone. So, Matt, was that kind of, like, a surreal thing for you? Were you kind of, like, wow, like, were you embracing it? Or were you, like, you know what? You were not raised in this. Like, get out of here. I, I was absolutely in the class of get out of here okay. because if you didn't experience the pain, like I have family members who constantly make fun of me because I'm a Bills fan and ask me why I'm still a Bills fan. I say it's because I'm over 30 and the time to change teams is long gone. <laughs> like you're not eight. Um, but it's fun. I it just find it really funny because they were always kind of the lovable losers. Like they didn't have the hatred. They were, everybody just kind of felt sorry for them. And now everybody's like, oh, hey, look, the Buffalo Bills. Oh, man, these guys are awesome. Look, their fans jump through tables. It's like, nah, you're not part of that. We <laughs> like I tweet, I tweeted it. If you didn't, if you weren't with us then and it was a picture of JP Lossman, it says, don't cheer for us now. And it was a picture of the guys saying one more win or whatever. Like that. Uh, you know what? Everybody can stick to their own teams. Don't be a bandwagon jumper. We have our own hardcore fans. We don't need anybody else. Jeff, Jeff, do you agree? You know, it didn't didn't heartbreak me that way. It, you know, it's just it was just so exciting to be involved, to be uh, be one of those teams that everybody was excited about, that everybody wanted to watch. You know, we made the playoffs two of the last three years, but that was more of a defensive team. The first year was Tyrod, and that was kind of a mess. And even last year with Allen, it was kind of just don't screw it up, and the defense will kind of carry us through. So the transition to being an offensive team and being fun and scoring points. Uh, yeah, I just enjoyed the ride. Victoria, were you as uh, as as protective of your fanhood as Matt is? <laughs> Not. I uh, at first I kind of was a little bit annoyed, but honestly, the more and more people, like you said, you saw in your timeline, you just got excited. You're like, wow, mm -hmm. people are actually paying attention to us. I did, however, enjoy that we. I, I enjoy the underdog narrative because I feel like it feeds the guys, uh, it just feeds them before game time. Like when Baltimore, the playoff game, and people were still calling us the underdogs and calling us out, and we just – that was a fantastic performance. But, no, I, I was super excited to – I had people texting me out of the woodwork. I mean, people that don't – my girlfriends that know nothing about football, they're like, go Bills. I'm like, this is awesome, honestly. <laughs> Pete, what do you think? Yeah, I mean – I. I'm kind of in both boats, um, you know, like Matt was saying, you know, it's kind of like, really, uh, now, now you're going to jump on board, uh, you know, after we went through 25 years of hell. Um, but at the same time, I, again, was like, whatever, if you want to jump on the bandwagon, that's fine. Just when they inevitably break your heart, uh, which they did, I mean, you know, AFC loss and everything. Uh, you know, don't just don't like get out of the bandwagon and then like key it up and you know, like carve in like Patriots rule or something on the side of our on the side of our wagons. You know, we circle these things every year. You want to jump on it, that's fine. Just graciously get off of it at the end of the season when you're no longer happy with us. 
that's how I felt about it. Like, just don't turn around and be like, oh, the Bills suck. They let it, you know, they let you down uh, again. What did you, you know, blah, blah, blah. When for the last four weeks, you're like, go Bills. Like, yeah. no, nah, screw that. <laughs> I so love if, it. If you're like, going to act that way, then, then yeah, we don't need you. If you're going to be gracious about it, or if you're going to be, you know, okay, I'll get on and then I'll get off and I'll go root for the Jets or whoever again, you know, that's fine. You know, everybody well, needs somebody to root for after their team is gone. So why not? I feel like I know the answer to this question, but I just want like a quick like one to ten from everyone here because it all starts at the top. I mean, and it does seem like there was a lot of really good uh, moves that were made in terms of you know bringing in a great GM, uh, Sean McDermott, the head coach. Man, he just you know seems like he's inspired a lot of confidence in that team. Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator, is awesome, and Leslie Frazier. The, I mean, like it seems like, and and they're bringing the band back together right i mean so like when you look at this coaching staff and the front office and all that uh jeff i'll start with you just one to ten confidence level like where do you where do you feel as far as the front office and the coaching staff and all where how much faith do you have in them i'd say i'd probably about a nine right now i mean it's hard to give it a full 10 there's a looming cap issues and we did miss on some early picks um at oliver you'd love to see a bigger impact with where he was drafted we took running backs back-to-back years in the third round, and I don't think either of them are the guys. So there's still some glaring things that you want to shore up. Um, so I, I'm excited about it. You, you can't – for where they were when they took over, to be making the playoffs in three of the last four years, I mean, we spent 20 years dreaming about any playoff game. Um, so so in that regard, you know, I, I think they're headed in the right direction. You'd just like to see some of the weakness points shoring up a little bit. Yeah, Matt, what do you think? Are you um are you kind of nine, nine and a half, four? Where are you at? I I'm I'm with Jeff here. I'm about a I'm about a nine. I, I could go eight and a half here because like like Jeff said, there there are things that need to be figured out. I mean, the defense had some glaring holes in it, and we saw what happened, and they were exposed a lot through this season. I I, I the one thing I will say is I have faith that they will fix those issues. So I, I have full faith in Brandon Bean. Like, I mean, there were a lot of people that were detractors of Josh Allen, and he was not one of them. And that turned out to be a really wise decision. And and he's bringing in or helping bring in members of the coaching staff. So uh, I have the utmost confidence in Brandon Bean. And Sean McDermott, honestly, what what else can you say about him? He's a great motivator. And and he lets, he lets his guys play, but he also takes his guys aside when he needs to says like you need to be better and i think that mentality of always wanting to get better is something that he's brought to this organization and it's really worked out well and i like that it seems to have carried over the fan base here because i fully expected tens and i'm not here to 10 yet victoria what do you think nobody's gonna give them a 10 because of that looming heartbreak we all are scared of we're all like we're good, but we don't want to. We don't want to be overconfident. We're not quite there yet. I think we need. I'm probably in the same range, eight and a half to nine. I think we need to hit on our picks in the draft. I think that it needs to be an almost perfect draft to make sure that we are filling in, uh, as Matt mentioned, those holes. I mean, you saw that the O line couldn't get the run game going against the Chiefs, and frankly, all year it, it was it was non-existent. We need a good edge rusher, and defense was exposed over the entire season. I mean, we came to play against Baltimore, but we had zero answers for the Chiefs. So my my confidence is high because you can't hit on every pick, but the things that they have hit on in digs and, and um, 
just building around Josh in general, I mean, I, I, I have a pretty good confidence level going. Yeah, obviously, Diggs, that was a great move. Another uh, just great move by the uh, front office. But you guys are right. Not necessarily perfect. I mean, there's always going to be some errors there. Pete, are you uh, kind of right in the same range? I'm a little bit lower only because of um, their salary cap. For lack of a better word, I'll say issues. It's not really an issue, but that's something that they definitely are going to have to evaluate um, this offseason. And a lot of where they're going to save money is in the wide receiver core. So, I mean, they're going to be able to save 12 and a half, if I did my math correctly, um, if they end up releasing John Brown and Cole Beasley. And not so much John Brown because of his injuries this year, but Cole Beasley was a huge impact in this offense last year. So that's going to be a tough decision to make because you also have Milano hanging out there, um, you know, do for an extension as well. And let's face it, they should really be looking at a serious extension for Josh Allen right now. The market is only going to inflate uh, as, and he's, I mean, after what we've seen, you know, he, he's only going to cost more the longer we wait to extend him. So I really, really hope that they work on extension for him. Just get him locked in now. Give him that bonkers deal. I'm not saying give him a home's money. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like, you know, hey, seven to eight years and 275. That's not crazy anymore. You know, so uh, there's there's a lot of holes and a lot of things that need to be addressed this offseason. So I am confident, um, but just with the amount that is going to be on their plates, I'm looking at it like a seven and a half to an eight because they're not going to hit on every single move that they have to make. Now, we, we saw great um, right out of the gate talent in Gabriel Davis, uh, as I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, so especially if John Brown gets released, okay, we have a filler for that uh, position as well. But, you know, we're going to need another slot guy if they decide to part ways with Cole Beasley to save um, I think they save about four and a half million if they, you know, waive him. So that's a good chunk. Um, so yes, I'm very interested to see, you know, how they're going to evolve with things. So I'm going to say seven and a half to an eight. No, I like that. I, I like the, um, I like the, uh, you guys holding back on giving them like the full, like, Hey, we're a hundred percent behind it. Just because like, like you said, like, Hey, they didn't finish the job. I mean, they did fall short a little bit. I think that's, you know, it's hard when you're looking at a generational talent like Pat Mahomes. But if you're going to build something, I mean, like you guys are building where you now got a guy that is arguably a generational talent himself. And he didn't look like he was going to be that way. Matt, I'll toss it over to you because, I mean, like you mentioned it, but Josh Allen did not come in as a guy that everybody was, you know, thought could be one of the best three, five quarterbacks in the NFL or on the planet. And here he is, like, arguably, like, right there, the top two, three quarterbacks in the league. Um, what did you see this year with him, you know, clearly progressing? I mean, look, second in points, second in yards, four, only 11th in passing attempts, and then third in passing yards and third in passing TDs. So not just short passes from a guy that, like, his accuracy was was just talked about as, like, it was going to be the worst thing ever. Clearly, I mean, pushing the ball down the field, completing passes, not relying on short stuff. Um, Matt, what did you see out of Josh Allen this year that you think everybody missed on initially? Well, the accuracy was always, you know, part of the issue coming out of college because, you know, everybody says, if you don't complete 60% of your passes in college, well, you can't do it in the NFL. Well, sometimes things happen. 
And what we saw from Josh Allen was a total change in mechanics. We saw him hit. They also built the playbook to, you know, give him those shorter yard completions, which does help your, your completion percentage, but it also keeps the defense on their toes and opens things up down the field. You know, there was a stat going into uh, our last season where Josh Allen had one of the best um, completion percentages from 11 to 20 yards or something like that. It was those really, really short throws that he was struggling with, and then he was really missing on the deep ball. What we saw was a complete change in philosophy offensively. It also does help when you bring in Stephon Diggs. And if you watch his throwing motion, those mechanics are totally different than what we saw when he came out of Wyoming. So he put in the work, and that's the one thing that I think any fan of any team or and any football fan will see Josh Allen say, that guy is a guy that you want to play for and play with. He goes out, he battles, he takes his lumps where he takes his lumps, but he's showing that he is an elite talent in the NFL. We saw by all his numbers. I mean, that kind of jump and everybody, if you listen to all the analysts that called games this year, all they talked about was how nobody could have seen this jump coming. And I don't think anybody could have. But to go from what a lot of people thought was an Oh, there we go. P- PD's got an idea. Um, they, no, I'm saying I saw it coming. <laughs> what, what we saw was a guy go from what many thought was a maybe average NFL quarterback to an elite quarterback in one season, something that we've never seen before. Pete, what did you see? If you saw it coming, like what did you see in Josh Allen that made you think he could be this? You know what? Uh, most of it was just uh, – fandom you know homerism fandom optimism uh to the extreme however you want to look at it um i was actually torn apart in my scott fishbowl uh division because i took josh allen uh in the third round and i actually was able to pair him with Diggs. i believe i got him in the eighth and people in the division were like oh my god it was, you know was josh allen's the worst quarterback to have especially in this type of scoring format and everything like that and I was the division winner, and I finished in second in the conference finals. If I had finished first, I would have gone to the finals, and everybody in my division was eating crow. So it was a good feeling. But um, uh, alas, um, no, I mean, Matt hit on everything. You know, they they formed the playbook to Allen. That, that showed me that this team – was invested. We, we went through so many years of quarterbacks where, you know, they drafted EJ Manuel, but he didn't flash coming right out. And then they just said the hell with him. And, you know, we had all of these, we had this, this QB roulette wheel for 20 since Kelly. I, I think he retired what 98, if I'm not mistaken, you know, so for the better part of 20 years, we had this, uh, you know, QB roulette. And it was just, if you didn't flash in the first couple of seasons, you were gone, you know, next next man up and everything. I mean, for Christ's sake, we had Brian Brom starting in like half the, you know, Tyler Thigpen. Like, you know, these names are just like, if you're not a Bills fan, you never, you don't even know who these people are. So, um, you know, what, what showed me is them investing in Allen, finally just saying, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that he only threw 58 or completed 58% of his passes in his second year. There's something special in this kid. Sean McDermott saw something special in this kid and he went with it. And Brian Bean gave him the reins. He was just like, listen, I believe in you here. Just go for it. And, and, you know, here we are. Sean McDermott is the first coach uh, with, with an extension given to him uh, since Marv Levy, you know, back in that era of going to four Super Bowls in a row. Yes, we lost. For those playing the home game, 
anyway, uh, but you know, it just, it, that's what gives me the confidence uh, in this team and this coaching staff. Um, yeah. I love to see it. So JP Lossman is my favorite no name bills quarterback because he was a two lane guy and that's right here from, uh, from new Orleans. So uh, Victoria, I have his autographed Jersey, by the way, I'll show it oh, to nice. you sometime. Victoria, your favorite Buffalo Bill, uh, Josh Allen, did a, did a lot of good in this in this season. And part of it, like he finally had some weapons to work with. I think people forget that in 2019, Kelvin Benjamin was one of his most targeted players. Oh, man, um, man. Victoria, what you what you see from uh, from Josh Allen? Oh, first of all, Kelvin Benjamin was the bane of my existence. I just wanted to put that out there. I mean. Oh, no one saw this coming, right? We've all already discussed that. But he had he didn't have as much experience coming out of Wyoming as some of these other quarterbacks that went in, in that first round. He didn't have as many pass attempts. He didn't have the, the talent on his team. So sometimes he probably tried to put the game on his back like he still does sometimes. Playoff Josh gets a little nervous, you know. So, I mean, yes, no one saw this coming, but he's the kind of guy that is putting in the work. He wants to get better, and that's why the guys around him want to play for him because he'll do anything to win. So that's my man. Jeff, what do you think? Josh Allen. You know, I was really high on Allen. Uh, higher, And I think you, you go back to when he was getting drafted. If you paid attention to, there was a real split. And it was a lot of people. Like, I really like Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks. I listen to their stuff a lot. Um, I know Chris Sims. People that had the background playing or scouting love Josh Allen because they looked at what he could do and what he couldn't do. They thought that was fixable, which obviously it was. Um, I think some of the media that wasn't involved in that background didn't have that scouting background. They were all over Josh Rosen because he was the UCLA guy, the the chosen kid out of California. Um, and, I, and I do think that obviously Allen sh- has shown that the tools were there. He put in the work with Jordan Palmer and, and has been able to develop. So I was always a believer, and I'm thrilled that it came through the way that it did. Yeah, of course. And like, I think that's, you know, obviously you look at who's in the Super Bowl right now, Pat Mahomes and Tom Brady. I think without having that superstar elite quarterback, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to make it. I mean, right now it's like defenses win championships. No, like elite quarterbacks kind of win championships. So, uh, and you guys certainly have that right now. So part of building that team as we look at the offseason is retaining the people and the players that, you know, were coming back or who are, uh, free agents um this team has quite a few i mean you've got trent murphy the de- defensive end uh you know tyler croft i don't know if you want to you're hanging on to him but josh norman who i did not realize was still in the nfl like but he's 34 and still still kicking around um not a, like matt milano is, is a free agent not a lot of huge names on, on that list but there are some potential cap casualties and you guys brought it up here and that certainly is a big part of the story and Quentin Jefferson, defensive lineman, he save eight million by cutting him. John Brown, almost eight million by cutting him. Vernon Butler, almost seven million by by cutting him. Mitch Morse, center. I mean, um, you know, then Lee Smith, Teron Johnson. You you mentioned uh, Cole Beasley. Like, what? What? I guess I'll just toss it around. Like, what of those names do you think they are going to focus on and make sure that they they retain, or uh, you know, do you think maybe they could? Um, let a lot of those guys go and kind of look at the free agent market. Jeff, I'm going to toss it right back to you. Like, what? Who do you expect them to retain out of that group? Really, there's none of those names that stand out. Um, I, Trent Murphy's been a guy that probably should have been a cap casualty before. Um, the depth in the defensive line is 
would be nice to have. But at the same time, not having Star Lutile just killed him this year, I think, on the run defense. And once he opted out, him coming back, he's kind of going to fill some of those roles a little bit. Um, John Brown, you know, I love John Brown, um, unless he takes a bargain basement deal. And I think it's going to be a brutal market for wide receivers out there. So he might come back on a, on a much lower deal. But we saw Gabriel Davis step up. And, and that might be the type of position where we need to go with some youth. The rest of the guys, Morris, people are really split on him. Um, he's kind of been the quarterback in the middle, but he has gotten beat a lot. Um, I, I think there's going to be a lot of – Brandon Bean has shown willingness to ask people to take less money, and I think he'll pr- kind of go around the locker room and do a little bit of that this year, uh, making sure people are bought in. And none of those guys are difference makers, and a lot of those guys – were brought in to kind of be the vets to help show how to win. But now that younger players have experienced it, you kind of cycled a team through that way. And and hopefully that you can build some of that cheaper, younger depth throughout the draft or other avenues. Pete, what do you think? Who, who do you, who are you hoping they retain? Oh, who do I hope they retain? Yeah. Um, I had something prepared for the others for the other side oh, of it. Go ahead. No, um, well, I, I can answer this question, I guess, uh, kind of going off my earlier point. Um, I would hope that they maybe try to restructure a deal or just keep them at the same number if they find, uh, you know, cash savers elsewhere uh, with Cole Beasley. I mean, it just with the production he was able to do in the slot, um, you know, you're, it's not easy to find. Um, maybe it is, I'm not a scout, but you know, Cole Beasley is a special talent. Uh, he is North of 30 though. So it does kind of make me wary about that. Um, but like Jeff was saying, you know, Gabriel Davis really stepped up in his rookie year and I really don't see any reason for him to not just slide right into that John Brown role. Uh, whether we retain Brown on a lesser salary or just wave him all together, Um, that wouldn't shock me. Um, I kind of hope that they would go John Brown over Cole Beasley, uh, at least for this year, and then reevaluate for for 2022. Um, And on the defensive side of things, I like Milano. Uh, You know, that's I've been seeing things all over Twitter about a 50-50 split on him. Some people are saying keep him. Some people are saying Mm -hmm. the hell with him. I I don't – I got not, you know, he's, he's decent. I mean, I don't buy into the narrative of, Oh, we were 15 and one when Milano started. <laughs> okay. Come on. You know, like that is not just because of one guy, you know, people come up with these crazy conspiracies and everything and, and these theories and whatever. And it's like, come on. Um, but I don't mind Milano. I think he is a good pairing uh, with uh, Tremaine Edmonds. Um, you know, and I, I'm seeing a lot of talk, not so much lately, but, about three, four days ago, I was seeing a lot of talk about, oh, we should uh, make a trade for J.J. Watt. I mean, obviously, Milano would probably have to, uh, you know, take a walk if that were the case. I wouldn't be thrilled about that move. I wouldn't hate it because, hey, it's J.J. Watt. I mean, just namesake alone. Um, but I'm, I'm not I'm not drooling over that aspect of, of getting J.J. Watt. I honestly feel our, our, our biggest move right now um, is depth at the offensive line. Um, you know, Cody Ford not being around. Um, we did not, as, as Victoria brought up earlier, um, you know, we, our offensive line cannot create holes for our running backs. Um, I think we have talented running backs. I think if a decent running back like Harris 
uh, happens to fall to us at 30, which I did see a uh, an analyst prediction. I forget who it was from, but uh, they were saying, oh, yeah, Harris could totally be taken at 30. I'm like, really? I would probably poo myself if I saw that happen. Um, I wouldn't want the Bills to necessarily move up for Harris, um, you know, for that position. If they can find value just sticking right at 30, why move around? Um, but, yeah, if Harris can fall to us at 30, uh, we'd be fools not to take him. So, um I, I think this draft needs to focus on on depth uh, on the offensive line and see what you can do in free agency for defense. Let's let's talk about Cole Beasley for a second because Matt brings up a really good point here. It'd be really hard to replace his rap game in the locker room. Um, <laughs> that's a very underrated point. I mean, I'm not sure JJ Watt could fill that, but just down by the, the LP. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it initially was uh, kind of a joke. Uh, Matt brought it up, and I was like, oh, ha, ha Cole Beasley rapping. But uh, he's actually pretty good. Um, I don't know who mentioned it on Twitter, but somebody said he should be the Super Bowl halftime show, and that totally, he definitely should, no doubt. Um, Matt, let me ask you, Cole Beasley, so you guys watched the game closer than I, than I did, but it seemed to me, like, just as a watching some Bills game as an NFL fan, it, and as a Josh Allen fan, like, I, I actually really liked him in fantasy coming into the, coming into the year. Um, but it seemed like when, when Josh Allen had time, he could really get cooking with Stephon Diggs and with John Brown, when he was under pressure, it seemed like Cole Beasley was the guy he would look for. Did you kind of see the same thing, Matt? Oh yeah. And, and Cole Beasley, I want to say that in seven years in Dallas, he had two 100 yard games. And I think in his, in his last 18 with the bills or something, he had seven or six, like it was some crazy number. And what we saw was when you throw the ball that much, teams are expecting that you're going to throw the ball 40 times a game. They're going to play less eight-man boxes. They're going to play, you know, seven guys, six guys in the secondary, and they're going to make you pass. What you need when that happens is you need a guy that can get open underneath. And we saw those stop, those stop routes that Cole Beasley ran, stop, let the defender run right past you, and then you gain chunk yardage. The guy would have had a thousand yards had he played all sixteen games. Like he sat mm-hmm. out the last game because of the injury, which we find out was a broken fibula, which is pretty, pretty damn tough. And pretty yeah, and and when you had John, like John Brown was supposed to be a big part of this offense, and he just didn't play enough to be that guy. That's where Cole Beasley slotted in and became Josh Allen's guy. Part of the part of the problem is too is why they had to rely on Beasley so much is that the tight end like Dawson Knox is fine, but he's not going to be a guy that's going to catch you know fifty balls for six hundred and fifty yards. It's just not going to happen. So that's where you need that guy who can play in the middle of a defense and go up against linebackers who he's much faster than, and he's a complete mismatch. I absolutely love Cole Beasley. Like I, I don't see a situation in where they don't bring him back. I think he's just too valuable. Um, I see John Brown gone. I see a bunch of restructures and I, and they need to find a way to bring back John Feliciano, who is a huge, huge part of that offensive line. When he got hurt, you noticed a big difference. And when he came back along with Daryl Williams, who's also a free agent, they're going to need to make some moves on the offensive line. I love Matt Milano, but if he wants $14 million, that ship is sailed. And, and that's where if Milano is gone, I'd like to see them, use you know pick 30 on a linebacker because that's where i think they need to go i think aj klein showed spurts of being really really good but we also saw the bad aj klein 
at the beginning of the season where he was completely dreadful in the first few games that Milano missed. So they've got some work to do, but Cole Beasley would be a priority to keep around. You could probably restructure his deal and save a little bit of money. Um, even if it's a couple million dollars, that's fine. Whatever you got to do to keep him around. But the points made on Gabriel Davis here, that guy is the the big-bodied wide receiver that can get open in the end zone and get open downfield, and he could take the place of John Brown. I have the utmost faith in that. I think Beasley is is almost certainly to return. I mean, like just because like it was clear they made an effort to surround Josh Allen with talent this past season, and one of the areas that they've been trying to put Victoria, I'm going to toss this over to you, and feel free to comment on any of that if you want. But I want to ask you about the running back position because they've invested a lot in Devin Singletary in the draft, and then Zach Moss last year. Um, Zach Moss being hurt, I think, really hurt in the playoffs because T.J. Yeldon played too much in a game that you have to win, but. Uh, what did you see, I guess, out of out of the running backs? Do you, do you think that there's something to work with between the guys that you have, or do you, like some of these guys, maybe hope that they pick up somebody in the draft? You know, I'm I'm really like an offensive line believer. That's not to say that I don't think running backs matter. That's I'm just kind of in the middle there. Um, that being said, interesting statistic is that of the top 20 running backs last season only four were selected in the first round of the draft and of the top 10 only two were drafted in the first round so first round running back not a guaranteed hit if you're going to try to get a tried and true running back um with our with our first round pick i just i think we need to upgrade the o-line and we need to create holes. It just we we're not good enough in that in that realm. I think uh, Matt took a lot a lot of. I was just nodding my head to everything Matt was saying, like, especially about Beasley and what, that we don't have a, a good good enough tight end to create that mismatch. Um, but I do. I would love to bring back Daryl Williams. He was he was just solid for the Bills down the stretch. Um, I wonder if we could restructure with Mitch Morse. Uh, I mean. He was great for us when we first had him, and I just feel like the the, the level of, of competition has just gone down there. And as far as, as our running back sets go, I mean, Moss and Singletary, like like we've hit on, they are talented. Um, I just think we don't have that that O-line that can, that can open up those holes for them and, and create um, some separation for them there. I mean – I'm not a fan of. I don't want to sign Chris Carson. I don't want to. I don't see Bean investing in someone like Aaron Jones, who's going to demand a ton of money in free agency. And if they want to try to hit on a later round pick again, why not? I mean, I yeah. also. Um, what else here? I was thinking of. I feel like they only had a, a really small statistic of carries for 10 or more yards in the season like we never really saw that out of out of moss or singletary um so sure if they want to upgrade or add someone to the room i just don't see them going out and getting that big free agent name for a running back i think investing in the o-line um especially in, in the draft i'd love to see that with our first round pick just just yeah. quick just quick on yeah, the running ahead. backs just because I, I was looking up some stuff and you know like singletary faced eight men in the box 4.49% of his carries. The only guy that faced less was J.D. McKissick, and that was like 1%. Zach Moss faced eight men in the box 14% of the time that he was on the field. But the thing is, is that like they their yards per carry, I know that's not the be-all and end-all, but Singletary's yards per carry was 5.1, and Zach Moss in uh, an injury-shortened year was 4.3. Uh, 
So it's they're not horrible. It's just I, I wonder how much they actually can get into a groove because they throw the ball so much. And even when they were up big in games, they didn't really rely on the running game. And maybe it's because they didn't think that they had, you know, that workhorse guy that could just mow teams down. But I still think Zach Moss is that guy. I, I, Singletary's fine as a change of pace guy. He doesn't. He lacks a little bit of burst. But I mean, the the numbers were there. It's just they. I think they just need more reps at this point. Jeff, yeah, what do you think? Oh. Or no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, this is good. Like you guys, like you know, talk talk about your team. No, no, it's fine. Uh, yeah. I did see that same thing. So they faced a stacked box, the third lowest. In, in the whole entire league. I mean, when again, when teams aren't looking for that and they're expecting the pass, they're not going to stack the box. And they had the fourth highest percentage of runs that were stuffed, meaning zero or negative yardage. That's like – that's one every ten attempts almost. I mean, it's just – that's where the O-line is that glaring weakness for me. Yeah, there we go. I love that Moss jersey. I do believe in Moss. I do. I love Moss. And he, sh- he sh- was, was great until his injury, but – Hopefully he can come back for us here and come back strong and be our guy. See, I, I don't think that you want – like we're not going to be a team that lines up and runs the ball 30 times a game with Allen. It's so good and Diggs is so good. I, I don't think we want to build a team that way. You know, the, see, you see the Chiefs and they don't do it. My biggest thing that – why I don't believe in Moss or Singletary is they just can't break the chunk yards and they can't, you know, take make big plays out of nothing. Um, you know, they, they can grind it and that's – that is what it is, but that's just not how you're going to move the ball. That's not how you're going to score points in the league. Um, so in that regard, I would love to see him go. You know, Pete mentioned Harris. I don't see him being there, but if he is, that'd be fantastic. Um, I'm a little bit nervous about going back to a Clemson running back after what we saw with Spiller, but if ETN's there or if we can move position to get ETN, he can break it. Um, but I do think that, you know, we talked about um, Dawson Knox and Brandon Bean in his postseason press conference. He talked about seeing Kelsey firsthand and when they mm. saw Waller, the big impact that those tight ends can make. And I think they, they're they going to be a team that wants to throw the ball geared towards throwing the ball. And so that's where I think that we need a big improvement. Um, yeah, the money's not really there to make a big splash, but you know, John o. Smith or Hunter Henry, those guys hanging out there. If you were to get one of those guys for this offense, I think that's the biggest impact that you could possibly add through anything re- semi-realistic. And John who can run the ball too. He can give him the ball. Do you need guys pay close enough attention to the draft that you would know uh, and seen anything on Pat Fryermuth? Because that yeah. seems like a guy that would like be so good. Like he would help you in the run game as well. And he's a, he's a threat uh, to uh, catching the ball too. So I, and he's from right there. I don't know. He's not too far from your area. So that's it just seems like it'd be a great fit to me. Yeah, he when he was on the field this year, he was kind of a primary receiver for Penn State. He's got those receiving chops. Um, and tight end like that, younger tight ends are going to take a little while to get up to speed. I don't know where he's going to fall in the draft. Is the you know We're not used to having the 30th pick and then having the 60th pick. We don't draft like that. Um, so it's kind of you kind of have to change what you're doing, what you're looking at. Um, you know, I like Victoria's stat about first round running backs, but I do wonder if you were to expand that to the top 45 or so, because we see so many of these really good running backs get devalued in the first round, but then go early in the second and they make big impacts. Guys like um, DeAndre Swift, when they gave him a chance, but we've seen it in the past, you know, Kamara was a third round pick in that sweet spot there. Um, I, I would mm-hmm. be curious to expand that stat and see where guys land. Cause it does seem like a lot of the cam makers or guys like that fall right in the early second round. 
uh, let's talk about the draft because we're obviously we're doing that. And some of you guys did anything else like that you think about when you think about the bills, who might be a good match for them in the draft. Anybody else come up with any other names? I, 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 if you look at their defense, if they don't sign Matt Milano, like I, I don't have, I'm not, I'm not a Debbie guy. So I will, I will defer to Jeff on, on all these. But if you look positionally at their needs, they need to improve their secondary. Like Josh Norman was, Hey, you know what? Good for you. You gave it a good effort, but we saw what Derek Henry did to him. Um, and he just wasn't good enough. I mean, their secondary needs some work. I, I like the improvements that we saw from Taron Johnson over the course of the year. Levi Wallace is, is a decent player, but I think if you pair somebody up with, with Trey White to go along with, you know, Poyer and Micah Hyde, that's a pretty formidable secondary if you could figure that out. If they don't re-sign Matt Milano, they're definitely going to need to take a linebacker. But like Victoria said, I, I'm, I'm of the same opinion as well. I'm fine with adding another back to that room. I just think that the needs on defense far away the needs that they have on offense at this point. I feel like from a fantasy perspective, if they take a running back, you're just going to want to avoid everybody, right? I mean, that's – Victoria, what do you think? Like, would you be interested in any – even if they sign Harris, I mean, would you be interested in any of the running backs super high? Probably not because if they did sign someone like Harris, I imagine his ADP would be much too high for my for my liking. I, I, if you look at if you look at how this team is structured, if they bring in somebody, they better have pass catching chops. Yeah, because they're gonna want it. I think that's another aspect of this offense that still can be unlocked. If you have that running back that you know, we saw Devin Singletary in that AFC Championship game. Like my brother, who was an played high school football and was like a, an offensive lineman and wasn't very good, looked at me and said, "I could have caught that." And I said, "Yes, you're probably right. You probably could have caught that." And that was a huge turning point in the game. If you have that running back, like, and it's everybody wants Alvin Kamara, but somebody who can catch the ball like that out of the backfield, what a difference it makes for your offense and how that opens up the playbook so much more. How many times did we see the Bills run screens? They didn't run screens at all in the playoffs against aggressive defenses, and that really hurt them. Why did they not do that? Because they couldn't. They just didn't have the guys to do it. So if they're going to bring in somebody, even if it was – you know, of the same ilk as like a Tariq Cohen, just to open things up mm. a little bit with some speed and pass catching ability, I'd be okay with that. I like Tariq Cohen. I'm one of the few. So do who I. Him. So do I. <laughs> um, so I guess if we're going to turn the pages in from the draft, that leaves free agency as the only other way to, you know, to add to your team here. So whether it's running back, whether you guys mentioned, mentioned tight end, you guys are also mentioning the possibility of not having John Brown or Cole Beasley. So obviously they're going to be looking at a bunch of different areas. And Victoria, you mentioned adding to the offensive line. But what about skill position players that you think when you look at them, they might be a pretty good fit for this team? Uh, Pete, I'll go back to you on this. I mean, in a perfect world, uh, who wouldn't want Aaron Jones? Um you know, he's used to playing in cold weather temperatures already. Uh, you know, he would just kind of be making a, uh, a longitudinal shift or latitudinal shift, whatever the word is. I'm not good at geography. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but he'd be playing, uh, you know, going going from uh, Green Bay to Buffalo. But I, I don't think that that's in the cards. Uh, I, I don't think that Buffalo is going to be aggressive enough uh, to, to get a guy like Aaron Jones, especially with – uh, the cap that we're looking at right now, um, you know, 
part of me fears uh, that this team is kind of like a uh, almost like a Dallas Cowboys in the sense that like we're a family and they're going to do everything they can to keep, especially with the season that we just had, they're going to do everything that they can to kind of just keep everybody together. Uh, it's not going to happen, but uh, I think that's what their priority is going to be first before they make a splash in free agency. And by the time they are ready to do that, guys like Aaron Jones are not going to be available anymore. So, um, you know, as far as the as far as the draft, I know I, I brought Paris before, but it's kind of like it, it was kind of like when Jerry Jones again, not to make another Cowboys reference, but it's kind of like when Jerry Jones was sitting at seventeen and CD Lamb falls to him, and he's like, "Really? Like, how do I not take CD Lamb at this point? Like, if if Harris or ETN fall to us at thirty, it's like, how do you not take those guys? I know it creates a three headed monster in that backfield, and for fantasy purposes, it's just you know, what are you gonna do? But uh, for practicality purposes, like. I don't, I don't know how you pass on a guy like that when you've just seen the running back production that we had this past year. I love Moss. I have his jersey. I love Singletary. My wife wants his jersey. I mean, like, I believe in these guys. And, you know, like Victoria was saying, if we can just open up the holes, these guys can they, they can take the ball. They they have, you know, 4.5 and 5.1 per, uh, per carry, yards per carry and everything. I mean, they have – they're capable of doing it. So uh, Victoria actually convinced me maybe – we do pass on Harris at 30 and just take the best offensive lineman that that's there for the depth because, you know, when Cody Ford went down, like I mentioned earlier, uh, that, that definitely was uh, a huge hit for us. So um, that's kind of where I'm I, at. Uh, just kind of digesting what everyone's been saying. I love that. Cause at least once a show, somebody who's a fan of the team convinces somebody else of something on the team. And I just, <laughs> I absolutely love that. <laughs> um <laughs> So, Jeff, I'm going to ask you kind of the same question, but I'm going to ask it a different way. Okay, so um, 2021, week one rolls around. you got Josh Allen. Who are the other skill position players other than Stephon Diggs that are joining him on the field? I have a hard time seeing Beasley go. I, I know that there's some cap implications there, but I think he's a core member of the team. And I, like we've talked about, Allen just relies on him. Um, I think that Gabriel Davis is ready to step up and I kind of expect him to be there. I'm not sure what's going to happen with running back because they have used day two picks back to back years on Moss and Singletary. And I can see them giving them another chance. Um, go back to tight end again, being stressed it. I just don't think Knox Knox will show you flashes, but then he'll drop a wide open seven yard pass for a first down out of the blue. Um, so it just drives you nuts. I don't know what they're going to be able to do cap wise, um, but I'm, I'm a big tight end guy. I just think they tight ends unlock so much in the offense. It makes it so hard for defenses to cover. If you've got a tight end that can get down to the seam or a tight end, like we saw with Kelsey, that can just abuse people over and over again. So I'd love to see in free agency to go for a tight end. You know, I'd, Mentioned John and when I mentioned Hunter Henry, those are the two big names sitting out there. Um, Tan Tunyon, I don't know what's going to happen with him. I, I think he's a free agent. Um, there's guys out there that I think can catch the ball and make a big impact in this offense. And if there's a, a new guy brought in, that's the position that I would love to see it. Matt, who's out there? Well, I'm just I'm I was perusing spot track while everybody was talking, trying to see and. And, and Jeff makes a good point about the tight end position. Like, John o. Smith would be at the top of my list in terms of guys. But if you want to go into the into the bargain the bargain bin a little bit, what about an athletic guy like Gerald Everett, who's shown flashes of being able to make plays? 
Um, what about if John Brown is gone, we can go into the bargain bin for a guy like Tim Patrick, who is pretty fast for a big man. He can go up and catch the ball, and he gives you an NFL wide receiver there, a guy that has proven with a bad quarterback in Drew Locke that he can actually be a useful piece. There are guys out there. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go too crazy at the running back position. I think if you look at skill positions, tight end is, is a great point by Jeff. And I just I think investing in a cheaper wide receiver like Tim Patrick would be a great idea because he's not going to cost you that much. And and I don't know. I, I apologize. I don't know who made the point earlier about what kind of market this is going to be. I think Jeff may have made it about this is going to be a tough market for wide receivers and guys are going to take less money. Like everybody thinks Marvin Jones is going to get paid. Marvin Jones is going get, to get paid squat, right? Yes. He was, he was fine, but there are so many better wide receivers out there than Marvin Jones. So those guys start to take the pay hits, and guess what? Tim Patrick's going to fall way further than a guy like Marvin Jones. That's the perfect Buffalo Bills-type guy that they can go out and get, a guy that wants a, a better opportunity with a better quarterback. That would be a guy that I would look at. Yeah, we see these drafts have been so loaded with wide receiver talent the last couple of years and the amount of free agents that are sitting out there with Godwin Galladay, like guys like that, that are going to blow up the market, but there's just going to be plenty of talent sitting there. That's just going to be musical chairs looking for anywhere to grab on. And, you know, Buffalo was always looked down on free agents didn't want to go there, but with Josh Allen now and the, everything's changing. Yeah. You might find a guy that can play and takes a little bit less money just for that opportunity to get on that field with the team. And don't forget, we've got Jake Kummerow on the practice squad. So. <laughs> Touchdown, Jesus. Touchdown, Jesus. <laughs> I'm still an Isaiah McKenzie believer, but I don't know Same. how I'm going to I was um, going to say that, too, about McKenzie. I really I, I really hope they bring him back. He is so speedy, if you remember that that uh, that touchdown return he had in the yeah. Dolphins game. I mean, he can just – he has that burst. I feel like we don't utilize him enough. No. I'd love to see him back. I completely agree. I'd love to see John Smith come back, uh, come on our team. I mean, we've got what the leadership in the tight end room is Lee Smith. I mean, yeah, he's probably a great friend, um, but we need some kind of someone who's got an experience to bring in some some leadership. That could be, I mean, Hunter Henry is great too, uh, but we know that tight end too takes time to develop players at that position it takes years to develop. Um, so I still believe in Knox, but he's just, he's not there yet. And the fact that Allen's only safety blanket is Beasley is a problem. I'd love to have, get him another guy that, that he could throw to in those pressure situations. So not almost no love for Dawson Knox here. And I get it. He did seem like in the red zone though, he was pretty effective. Like at the end of the year, did you, did, uh, I, I love the Everett call. That just, gosh, I'm pulling for that. That makes a lot of sense. That was that was really good, uh, Matt. But like, do, do, you, do you guys think there's nothing there with Dawson Knox? No, he'll no, make an insane catch, but then the easy one, he'll just drop it. And it's just, you're like, what's going on, man? Yeah. I, I think that there's something there. I'm kind of like with Victoria here. It's like I, I believe in Dawson Knox. I feel like I'm a character out of the Dark Knight. Like, I believe in Harvey Dent. Um <laughs> I want to make pins that say I believe in Dawson Knox. But, um, you know, but again, like Matt was saying, like, you know, he'll he'll make that insane, you know, touchdown grab and then drop a four-yard, you know, gainer uh, on first down. You know, so it's it's a little topsy-turvy. I, I like the kid. I want him to do well. Um, 
you know, he is coming into his third year, which, uh, you know, that is the year for tight ends. Uh, it's usually the breakout year. So I believe in him in the sense that, okay, this is your third year. Prove it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm, I'm excited for him to be able to prove it. And if he can prove it, great. If he can't, well, okay, next man up. Okay, last yeah. question. 2021, can Josh Allen take down Mahomes? Absolutely. Yeah, he can. It, you know, it's tough because we traded Mahomes. And so it's like we got to beat him at some point. We can't just lose that guy every single year after we traded him. I mean, we, 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 we can't have another, you know, tw- like like tw- for the last 20 years it's been Brady. We can't yeah. beat Brady. It can't be another 20 years of we can't beat Mahomes. Yeah. You know, it's the stars. I I said this. uh, It was actually in the in the uh, fantasy besties league. I was talking to um, I forget who I was talking to, but anyway, I made the claim. I was like, "Oh, uh, Bills Browns, twenty twenty one AFC Championship. I'm calling it now. The battle for Lake Erie." You know, and someone (laughs) in the league was like, "What is Mahomes just going to retire?" I'm like, "Dude, the the stars can't align every year." Okay, it, it just like it's not going to happen. You know, he's going to lose weapons. He's going to lose Tyree Killer. He's going to lose Travis Kelsey. He's going to lose players on the offensive line. Like, even though he is a raw talent, it doesn't mean that you're God for ten years on end. You're going to have your flaws. There's going to be times where he's going to suck. I'm sorry, but like, maybe not him, but just the situation that he's in is going to suck for him. So maybe not next year, maybe not the year after, but no, I mean, it's, I think, I think next year, I think we can, we can absolutely take down Mahomes. Um, you know, anything exactly. The Raiders beat Mahomes. <laughs> so there you go. If Derek, if Derek Carr can do it, then Josh Allen can absolutely do it. And, then, and that's last, all I have to say about that. <laughs> last word on the Buffalo Bills, Victoria. Anything I, else you want to add? No, I believe in them too. I mean, I just, I really pray that we didn't just get rid of Brady just to, to be under under a lens with, with Mahomes and the Chiefs dynasty for the next 10 or 15 years. But uh, I think I think the AFC Championship proved we're almost there, but not quite yet. So if we, if we get the pieces together this offseason, I think we definitely have a chance to take them down. Seems seems like Allen's kind of been leveling up every year, and I guess it'll be really interesting to see if there's another level that he can get to. Um, I don't want to say he can't, because every time I think somebody said that, he's proved him wrong. So I think that's a Buffalo Bill show, guys. Great job. I definitely appreciate everybody for jumping in and being willing to talk about Bill's Mafia and the Buffalo Bills. Um, one last thing, just uh, let's go back around the room. I'll go in the opposite order that we went uh, off the top of the show. Tell everybody. Uh, just where we can find you and what you're working on. Start with Victoria. Yeah, you can find me at FFB underscore Victoria. I just want to thank you guys for having me on. So nice to meet you on. This was awesome talking about my bills for an hour. <laughs> Matt. Uh, you can find me at Matt SN590. You can find my work at sportsnet.ca. I got uh, ADP risers and fallers coming out after the Super Bowl. And uh, guys, uh, lots of fun tonight. Honestly, I had a blast. It's it is a lot of fun talking about the Buffalo Bills, and I love how many people love Josh Allen now. <laughs> hey, any sneak previews on that article? Uh, I I can say that um, I, I broke it down by position. I can say that uh, Buffalo Bills quarterback does pop up on the list of a big riser, and uh, and I got Noah Fant as a guy that people are going to be looking at 
as someone they're going to be drafting a heck of a lot higher than they did this past year. I love Noah Fant. You're speaking my language. And I'm looking forward to the Matt Barkley article there, too. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jeff, yeah. Uh, where can we find you? Uh, Twitter, for whom Jay Bell tolls. I'm happy to talk anything pop culture, specifically Disney, um, or, you know, do anything. But uh, I'm going for two.com. I'm there all the time. And fantasyintervention.com as well. Uh, make sure to check out both of those on YouTube. Um, subscribe, get those numbers up, um, join our circle, and a uh, little bit of Fanny's pros too. So, Moana is way underrated. She's she needs to be up there. Solid, you know. Uh, Pete, where can we find you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Petey Stitz. Um, and uh, every now and then you may see an article pop up for Fighting Chance Fantasy. I do contribute to that. Uh, but mostly my focus has been on uh, the video editing for Fantasy Alarm these days. Um, I do retweet those out uh, when they're posted. So um, every now and then, if you want to catch a couple of minutes of DFS chat, um, definitely for the Super Bowl this weekend, uh, we have uh, spread breakdown, over-under breakdown, uh, DFS breakdown, props breakdowns. Um, you know, Howard Bender, Adam Ronis, Jen Piacenny, uh, they do phenomenal work with all that. Uh, so I uh, chop it up for them, fit it on Twitter for that two minutes and 20-second uh, time allotments, and uh, just a quick little uh, uh, scroll through if you like to, to get in on any of that. So... Very cool. Well, I, I like, like I said, I so appreciate you guys coming on. Um, I am, I am Cal. I'm at Calvin and Hobby, part of uh, the at Dynasty Vipers. We have a lot of really awesome, exciting things going on right now. I don't know if you guys were able to catch it. If you didn't, please go catch the interview. I feel like I can really pump this one up because I wasn't on this show. But uh, Matt and Lewis, FF Down Under, he they interviewed Adam Rank this past week, and it was legitimately one of the funniest things I've ever watched. Like, I laughed more at that than I've laughed at almost anything in the last, uh, I don't know how long. It's been a, been a long time. Those guys were just hilarious. At one point, Rank and Matt Donnelly were, like, going back and forth on who could, like, tell the most ridiculous story, and it was just, it was just hilarious. Um, and then Bob Henry joined us after, like the kind of godfather of fantasy football. It was awesome. He even got real at a couple of moments and talked about like, you know, his past. And like, if you could watch that whole interview and not leave motivated and like excited, like it, it just, he's just such a great person to listen to. Uh, I know we got Ryan McDowell coming up. Uh, Rank is coming back on the show uh, with James Coe at some point. So we are definitely excited about like a bunch of awesome things, a lot of exciting guests. And uh, so, yeah. A lot of great things. Check out the website. Uh, appreciate everybody for tuning in. Appreciate you guys for uh, for coming on. For all these guys, Dynasty Vipers, for Matt, definitely appreciate you coming in. And hey, go Bills Mafia, even if uh, Matt is going to judge me for saying that.